Tonight we're going to talk about overcoming the lies of labels. Please be, be seated. Um, the lies of labels. Any, and I'm not, I'm not talking about product labels. Now, uh, I remember when I, when I first started counting calories, I put on some weight at the beginning uh, of our marriage. We were evangelizing and traveling, and we would eat fast food just about every meal of the day. And the wife and I started uh, calorie counting. Anybody ever counted calories? And um, I don't want to talk about it either, sis. <laughs> I remember I, I brought Jocelyn a label on a, I think it was a can of chips or something. I said, look, babe, it's only 200 calories for this whole can. <laughs> Just down a whole can of Pringles. 200 calories, that's, that's basically diet food. And uh, she pointed out to me that the label was lying to me because there were like 17 servings of 200 calories in the chips. Anybody ever been lied to by a label? The labels are lying on us, amen? Some of them, they say that they're slim or diet Coke. You know, we're bad about this. We're going to go eat a fried chicken sandwich, but I'll have a diet Coke. I don't need those extra calories, but we've been lied to by labels, and um, I, I ran across this. I thought I would start with something a little bit funny uh, about labels. That, that they, they compiled a list of labels that uh, didn't quite uh, make sense. There was a Sears hairdryer, and on it there was a label that said, Do not use while sleeping. Okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> There's a bar of dial soap. With directions, and it said, use like regular soap. <laughs> what kind of soap is this? Just l- use it like it's regular soap. I can see somebody in the factory saying, what do we put on the label? Just tell them to use it like regular soap. Done. There's a swan frozen dinner that had a serving suggestion label on it that said, defrost. It was a suggestion. Uh, you can eat it frozen, but suggestion is to defrost it first. There was a Tesco dessert, and printed on the bottom of the box, it was a label that said, Do not turn upside down. There's another one on a bag of Fritos that said, You could be a winner. No purchase necessary. Details inside. I guess you didn't have to buy the bag of chips. You just had to open it. (laughs) It was an invitation to shoplifters. Uh, There was a Marks and Spencer bread pudding that said, Product will be hot after heating. Just in case you weren't expecting that, when you heat it up, it might be hot. Um, there's, there's more. There was an iron uh, that had a label on it that said, Do not iron clothes while on body. It's good advice, actually. Because I've done that, believe it or not. You know, you're in a hurry. There was a, a children's cough medicine that said, Do not drive a car or operate machinery after taking this medicine. Just for all those toddlers that... You know, need to run a forklift after uh, taking some cough medicine. There's a NITOL sleep aid that said, Warning, may cause some drowsiness. There's a bag of peanuts that said, Warning, contains nuts. An American Airlines packet of peanuts said, Instructions, open packet, eat peanuts. And then there's a child's Superman costume that had the label on it that said this, Wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. And so labels are, can be interesting, but labels can lie to us because we've all, like it or not, we've all been described by labels. 
If you could pick three words to describe yourself, what would they be? You can, you can tell them to your neighbor. You can keep them in your head. Some will say short. Um, not me. I'm very tall. Um, some would say skinny. Not me. <laughs> but there's all sorts of things that we label ourselves by, that, that we wear throughout our life, because a label is a classifying phrase or name applied to a person or thing, especially one that is inaccurate or restrictive. And all of us throughout life have internalized different labels, whether someone called us by a label or it was something that we chose for ourselves. Well, I'm not very smart. I don't know how to do things. I, we, we, we either choose our labels or our labels are put on us by other people, but the point is that we internalize them. And some labels are simply what is true about you. For instance, someone might say you're single. That might be true about you. You might say you're married or divorced. These are labels that we wear. Well, well, I'm married, right? I'm divorced. We wear these labels. Um, Some say, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Some say I'm an independent. Um, Pick a side, amen? (laughs) Um, Some would say I'm an atheist or I'm a Christian. Um, And and then you can start breaking down... into the denominations, and, and uh, you can say, well, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal. In fact, there was a few years ago, there was a group of Pentecostals that, that didn't like to be called Pentecostal because it associated too broadly, and so they called themselves Oneness Apostolic Pentecostals, right? Because they wanted to be sure everybody knew that they weren't those Pentecostals. They're these Pentecostals, right? And, and we can get into denominations. In fact, I, I ran across an old joke by Emo Phillips uh, that was once ranked one of the funniest jokes of all time uh, for religious jokes. And he said this. He said, once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump off, and I said, don't do it. And he said, nobody loves me. And I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes. I said, so do I. He said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, so am I. He said, Are you Protestant or Catholic? He said, I'm Protestant. He said, me too. What franchise are you? What denomination? He said, Baptist. He said, me too. He said, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. Emo said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. He said Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. So I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. Labels. Labels. They divide us. They separate us. We wear them. They define our reality sometimes. They define our frame of thinking. And labels can be based on anything. You can be labeled as fun or you can be labeled as boring. You can be labeled as good looking or you can be labeled as having a great personality. You can be labeled as all sorts of things. Some are labeled a tightwad. Others are labeled a loose spender. But The point is, we all carry these labels, and some of them are positive. 
Some might be labeled a hard worker. They might be labeled talented. They might be labeled love. This person is revered. Everybody likes them. They're charismatic. But some are not so positive. Because some people are labeled as unloved. They're told by their parents, you're a disappointment. By their business colleagues, you're a failure. They're labeled divorced or misfits or failures, inadequate, unwanted, and weak. All sorts of labels that we can wear. And the truth is that labels are truly the things that we hear and observe from the outside sources and the voices that come to define us. It's not just somebody passing on the street and saying that guy is something or another, but it's the labels that get down deep in our heart and they start defining how we respond and react to life, how we see ourselves moving through life, how the world defines us and how we define ourselves. And words amazingly have the power to set us up for peace or for turmoil. Does anybody believe that? Words have the ability uh, to bring us victory or defeat. The words that are spoken to us and, and the words that we take inside of us have the ability to define whether we become a success or a failure. Because these, these words can become almost prophetic in a sense. And, and the scripture teaches us that life and death are in the power of of the tongue. And to anyone who's living with a limiting label, it is clear that words matter. Somebody say words matter. Especially the words that we wear on our soul, the labels that we wear on the inner man. Those words matter. They're the words that tell us who we are and where we will go in life and what we are and are not capable of. Words can define us. I remember hearing a story many years ago about an infant child who had a, a parent that just constantly spoke negative things. Before they were able to speak or comprehend language, their parent just spoke negative things over them. And that child grew up to manifest those very things um, that, that they found out later in life were spoken over them. Words are powerful. Words have the ability to shape your children, to shape your relationships, to shape the outcome of your uh, uh, marriage. And, and so um, words are, are powerful. Zig Ziglar, in his speech about the power of words, tells about a study conducted decades ago at Indian reservations across the nation. And he said that they found that all of, of all those Native Americans who were raised on the reservation and taught their native language first, that out of all of them, no one stuttered. I mean, think about that statistically. Not even one child stuttered. Every one of them was able to speak clearly without stuttering. And they found that in the native languages of these different tribes, they didn't even have a word that meant to stutter. They didn't have a way to describe what it means to stutter. The children had no context for stuttering, so they didn't. Words are powerful. They have the ability. And, and can I just interject here that there are some words that should not be a part of our vocabulary. How many of you ever told your, your kids, don't say the word, I can't? I tell my kids that all the, all the time. Don't say you can't. 
Don't say you're not able. Say, I haven't learned that yet. Say, I haven't figured this out yet. Because the way that we speak about things impacts the way that we respond and the way that we move forward in our own faith. Because words, they matter. Labels have the ability to either lift us up or to hold us down. And anybody who grew up with a parent that constantly was on you, talking down to you and talking bad about you, you understand the level and the depth that these things stay with you throughout life. Uh, we, we had a man that we pastored before we came here that his dad was, was highly abusive. And the dad didn't think his son was, was tough enough. And so he constantly called him a sissy boy. And one day I walked up to teach this man a Bible study. And, and this guy had a lot of issues and a lot of problems. He had addiction issues and he was trying to overcome a lot of things. We were doing Bible study. And I was blown away because I walked up to the door and I thought he was chewing somebody out. I mean, I thought he was dressing somebody down on the phone. He was yelling at cuss words, you're a sissy boy, you're worth nothing, I don't want to see you ever again, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. And I, I stood there for a minute and said, should I knock on the door or not? You know, the window was open. Finally, I knocked on the door and called the guy's name, and he opened the door, and nobody was there. Just a sad, broken adult. And I asked him, I said, man, what are you, what are you doing? What's going on? And he said, I'm sorry, sometimes I I tend to repeat the things that I heard as a child. And this grown man living with these words hanging over him, living with these labels hanging over him, struggling with his identity of who he was and what he could be and whether or not he could ever be free because words have a weight. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And this isn't my message, but can I... Can I appeal to a parent, to a spouse, speak life, not death. Speak hope. Don't speak doom. Don't speak despair. Speak life to people around you. Speak hope to people around you. Speak of good things. Words matter. And the longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it begins to determine our future. Research tells us that if a school labels a child as slow, that their school performance will decrease after they are labeled slow. If, on the other hand, they label them advanced, their performance begins to increase because they begin to believe that they are what the label says that they are. Whether for good or for bad, words matter. Labels matter. And listen, when people begin to wear the label of failure, all of a sudden, if they begin to wear that, I'm just a failure, guess what happens? That Now they won't try new things. Now they, they see themselves as weak. They start wearing the label of weak, and so they won't ask for respect. They start wearing the label of unloved, and so they won't seek love in positive places. Perhaps you've seen this in loved ones or even... Uh, God forbid in your own life that when you wear the label of unloved, all of a sudden you lower your standards for what you will uh, put up with in your relationships because you cannot see your own self-worth. And, and there are people that migrate from bad relationship to bad relationship because they are wearing a label that says you can never be loved and you're really not worth anything. So many people live their lives struggling against the remnants of words that were spoken over them. 
Labels that were spoken on the outside but somehow got attached on the inside and became lies that they began to believe in, became uh, the, the defining words of their reality. And Mark chapter 2 tells an incredible story uh, about a man who wore a label. There are four men in the story in Mark chapter 2 who come together to get one man to Jesus. And the problem was that the crowd was so big that they couldn't get to Jesus. Um, in fact, the Bible says that they came to the house where Jesus was teaching and the crowd was great that it overflowed out the doors. And these four men, they carry their paralyzed friend to the house. And when they get to the house, they can find no entrance in. They know that if their paralyzed friend can get to Jesus, that his life can be different, that his life can be made, do, uh, made new. And, and they know if we can just get him in there, something will change for him. Most of us would have walked away because the line was too long. The other day I ran into a guy. I was, I was eating at Chick-fil-A, shockingly. And uh, he said something about running out of chicken sandwiches. And I said, hold on. <laughs> Did they run out of chicken sandwiches? It was at the end of the day. And uh, he said, no, 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 they didn't run out of chicken sandwiches. I said, oh, Lord, be still my heart. I got scared for a minute. He said, I was talking about Popeye's. <laughs> he said, uh, I went to Popeye's the other day and waited an hour and a half for a chicken sandwich. And uh, I said, well, I, I, that's why I come to Chick-fil-A, because, you know, they love the Lord and they serve chicken sandwiches in a minute and a half. <laughs> Wasn't worth the wait. Right? I, I'm not going to go wait in no 50-car line. Look, when we get a new restaurant in Monroe, uh, I remember when Dairy Queen opened up in West Monroe. Man, that line was so long, I waited six months to get ice cream. Because I'm not going to go sit in no hour line to get a blizzard. <laughs> I want a blizzard. In fact, I'll be upset about it and complain about not getting to have one, but I'm not going to wait in line. And, and, and I could have seen the scene going that way. These four guys, they carry their paralyzed friend to the house they get there and say, well, we tried. Maybe we'll try another day and the crowd won't be so, uh, so heavy. Maybe, maybe another day uh, we can get in to see Jesus, but maybe today's not your day. But these four friends are some of the best friends that a guy could have because they didn't give up on their friend. The scripture tells us that their friend was in need. He was a paralytic. And that morning they got the team together. The four men went to his house they loaded him up. They bared uh, his burden, probably helped dress him and carry him to the house where Jesus is preaching. And they've come too far to turn back now. And, and, and they've got a friend that needs Jesus. And so they're not going to give up so easily. And we see the scriptures say they can find no way in. They came bringing to him a paralytic uh, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd... They removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let the bed down, listen to this, on which the paralytic, everybody said the paralytic. They let the bed down on which the paralytic lay. We never learn his name. The Bible never says that they took old Joe Bob and lowered him through the roof. We, we learned Bartimaeus' name. But listen, 
Sometimes life labels us by what we have to deal with, not by our choice, not by our design, not by, but by circumstance. And, and here this man, we don't know how he became paralytic, whether it was the sin of his parents. This was a debate among the Jews when people were sick. Was it a sin of the parents or was it, was it uh, his own sin that caused him to be paralyzed? What, what happened? We don't know why he is the way he is. We don't know why he had to deal with what he was dealing with, but we know that he is a paralytic, because that is all the Bible ever calls him. And sometimes the Bible defines people by their issue. The woman with what? The issue of blood. The man with the withered hand. And here we have the paralytic. We don't know his name, so I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to make one up. We don't know his name. He is the paralytic. That's what the Bible calls him. Just gives us the label that he's been living with. And picture it, this man on his mat being lowered down in front of Jesus in this huge crowd. And the four faces staring through the hole in the roof. Sorry about your roof, man, but our friend's in need. We don't know his name, but we know his label and everything else that came with it. And he was broken. We know because he was a paralytic that he was a broken man. That he was unemployable. That he was a burden. That he was a beggar. That he would be unwanted by some. We know that he was a sinner. Amen. We know all of these things. But in spite of all of the labels that he could have been wearing, his friends brought him to Jesus. Tear off the roof and lower him down in front of Jesus and the crowd. And everybody sits back to see what Jesus is going to do. And look, verse 5 says, Jesus seeing their faith. Whose faith? Not his faith. He sees their faith. And so Jesus says to who? The paralyzed man. He sees their faith and says to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Listen, the faith of those around you matters. Because your friends will either carry you toward Jesus or they will pull you away from Jesus. Your friends will either... I, I, I've heard this said over and over in leadership teaching that, that who you are in five years is a conglomerate of your five closest friends today. Because your friends will either bring you to Jesus and you'll go, grow closer to God through that relationship or they will pull you away from Jesus. And, and, and your friends and their faith Matters because what people say to you and what people say about you can help determine where you end up in the spectrum of faith. We all need people who can see past the lies and the labels in our lives. We need friends that have faith. The paralytic, we don't know his name. He was a paralytic, but he had four friends who saw more than a label, who saw more than a messed up individual, who saw more than a burden. They saw that something was possible, that this guy had something that was redeemable, that this guy had something that was valuable. And they knew that if we can just get him to Jesus, that Jesus can work out the labels that are limiting his life. I love it. Because Jesus sees their faith, their faith that Jesus can heal him, and their faith that he's worth being healed. 
He sees their faith that they see beyond his condition and they can see his need. And they had faith that this man could be more than he was at the moment if he could get into the presence of Jesus. They had faith that he could overcome his issue if they can get him to Jesus. We all need friends like that. People who see what we can be. People who believe in the power of God to enable us. People who are invested in our potential and aren't caught up in our past. And I want to tell you, both kinds of people inhabit the pews of a church. Both kinds of people are on your job. Both kinds of people are in your family. And so I'm telling somebody tonight, find you some friends that believe that God is able to do something good in your life. Find you some friends that have faith. Because the faith of those around you really matters. Because when you can't believe from your, for yourself, and when you can't move yourself, and when you're stuck, it's your friends who can carry you to Jesus. It's your friends that can bear your burden. It's somebody that can pray with you. Somebody that can believe with you. Somebody that can fast with you. Somebody that can link up with you and say, you know what? I know you're going through it right now, but you're going to come out of this. If we can just get to church on Sunday, God is going to work this out. I love these friends because they knew, man... All of these problems and all these issues can be taken care of if we can just get them to Jesus. I want to speak for a moment to parents of children, even adult children. I want to speak to those who have significant others that maybe aren't here tonight. Or teachers or students that, that your faith matters. The things that you say to people in their low moments and in their broken states have the ability to define them. Listen. I've been in ministry long enough to know that you can root for, cheer people, encourage some people, and some people will never make the trip because they can't believe for themselves and aren't willing to do what it takes to be carried along to the place of redemption. But understand this, you can't redeem people if you don't believe that God is able to redeem them. You never see anybody saved if you give up on people the moment that they look like a sinner. You can't, you can't help people if you start judging them the moment that they don't match just right with what you think ought to be. And so listen, listen, parents, when your kids don't measure up, don't, don't write them off. Speak life to them. When your kids aren't doing as well as you think that, don't write them off. When, you, when your, your spouse isn't the perfect spouse, don't say, you're, I, just, I made a bad decision when I got married. Because people say that. And people believe that. And when you speak it, you reinforce it to those around you. Your faith matters to somebody. You can bear somebody's burden. You can be somebody's burden bearer. You can lift somebody up when they can't lift themselves simply by the faith that you have in you. Let me ask you this. What would the story have looked like without his friend? It would have never happened. He would have stayed at home and been far from his redemption. You see, transformation rarely happens in isolation, but it happens in community. It doesn't happen off by yourself. Listen, as much as I'd love to believe that that's what sinners really need to do is just get to church and change themselves, and nobody ever pray with them, and you know what you need to do, just do what you need to do, that isn't the way it works. 
Transformation happens in the context of relationships. Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. It happens in community. And that is the beauty of the church of the living God. Because so many people are focused today on what's wrong with the church. So many people, you can read blog after blog about everything the church doesn't do right and that pastors and preachers don't do right. Newsflash, this isn't for me. This is for our pastors. Pastors aren't perfect. Newsflash. Sometimes preachers make mistakes. Sometimes we don't know how to handle things. I remember the first time that I did marriage counseling. I, I wasn't even married yet. And my dad, my dad, I was a youth pastor, and my dad was busy, and he said, go in there and do marriage counseling with those people. I said, I'm not married. I don't know what to do. He said, well, you can't mess it up any worse than it already is. Go on ahead. Yeah. He said, listen a lot. Don't say a whole lot. I had no clue. Listen, preachers aren't perfect. And there's a lot of people who will focus on what's wrong with the church. Well, the music was too loud this Sunday. And I didn't like that song. And I wish, I wish they did a different kind of worship music. Oh, now, come on. And I wish, I wish that uh, that preacher would scream a little less. Or some would say, I wish he'd scream a little more. Probably not at this church, but somewhere someone's saying that. But listen, everybody's talking about what's wrong with the church. But here's what I love about the church. Whoever you are and whatever labels you wear, in the church, you will find people who are willing to partner with your potential. You'll find people who are willing to believe and help you to overcome your past. You'll find people who used to be right where you are. And while people are criticizing and sitting back, there are other people in the church whose lives are being transformed, whose lives are being made new. People who are linking up with other people in faith because they see what is possible through the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen off by yourself. It happens in community. That's where transformation happens. Sunday, we had CLC Connect, one of my favorite meetings our church has. Because we go around the room and people just start telling their stories of how they wound up here. And let me tell you something, it always ends up being a spiritual time because God is transforming lives right around us. Sometimes we're so disconnected we don't even realize how far people have come. But I listened to testimonies the other night of people whose lives were in dark places, whose lives they, they were confused and looking for more and, and wanting more of the Spirit. And they found it when they came into community at Christian Life Church. Listen, that's the beauty of the church, is that there are people who will believe in you. There are people who will bear your burdens. That's what the Scripture says, bear ye one another burdens. What a beautiful place. Because it's here in the church that people will help you get to Jesus. Thank God for worship leaders that come in when we're tired and we're wiping the sleep out of our eyes. That will lead us to the throne. That will push us beyond ourselves. Thank God for preachers and ministers that stand in the pulpit and will call us higher. Because there are people who are willing to partner with your potential in the church of the living God. Jesus seeing their faith said to the paralyzed man, Listen, my child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus looks at a man who's laying there with all these labels, feeling like a broken, unwanted, unloved man who's just a burden, can't even carry himself. 
can't have a job. Just the paralytic. That's who he is. I'm the paralytic. I'm the paralytic. That's what I am. And Jesus, when he gets into his presence, doesn't call him the paralytic. He says, my child. Another translation says he calls him, my son. Your sins are forgiven. It almost seems insensitive at first glance. What, what about the brokenness, Jesus? What about the fact that he can't have a job? Are you just looking over all that because he says, my child, your sins are forgiven? In other words, you can look at it this way, that Jesus said, you're paralytic, but you're a sinner too. But that's not what Jesus is getting at. Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. Because he understood that what he needed was not a new label. What he needed was not a better label. What he needed was something else. He needed a new identity. He needed to break from the old and to begin the new. And Jesus didn't come to heal the source uh, or didn't come to heal the symptoms. He came to heal the source. He's not worried about what's going on on the exterior label. But he wants to create in you a clean heart and a new mind and a new spirit. The solution is not another better label. The solution wasn't to solve the financial crisis or set him up with a job or, or even to heal him and send him on his way unforgiven. Underneath all the labels was a man in need of a transformation who needed a new heart and a new mind. And Mark called him the paralytic. Mark never referred to him by his name, just a paralytic and the paralytic. But Jesus says, my child, you're not just a broken person, you're my kid. I'm taking responsibility. I'm adopting you today. You're not just some broken person that I happen to come in contact with, but you're just like my own kid. And I'll give you the forgiveness that you need. Listen, a label may describe you. But your identity in Christ defines you. It would have been easy for the paralytic to think that he just needed a new label. That if, if people could just see him differently, that his life would be better. But Jesus isn't in the business of minor adjustments or in the business of reputation management. He didn't die on the cross so you could wear a better label. But he gave his life so that you could live a new life yourself. Listen, Galatians 3.28, I love this, this verse. Jesus came to radically make you new and to give you a new identity. Paul began to write concerning the controversy in the church at Galatia. And he, he tells them, he sets the record straight for the Judaizers. He says, listen, there is no longer Jew or Gentile in the church. There's no longer slave or free. Imagine that, a day of slavery. Some were enslaved in the church and some were not. And he says, when you came to Jesus, you lost the label. You're not a Jew and you're not a Greek. You're not a Jew, you're not a Gentile. You're not a slave, you're not a free. You're not a male, you're not a female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Every one of you can wear the same label that the paralytic got to wear. Because every one of us, when we're born of water and adopted into the family of God by the spirit of adoption, we are not, we're not, listen, if we bring it into modern language, uh, uh, language, Paul would have said this, for there is neither white nor black, there is neither rich nor poor, there is neither upper class or lower class, there's neither Republican or Democrat, 
Come on. All of those labels, he says, we leave them behind when we become a child of God. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, we leave the labels behind. We are no longer addicts. We're no longer liars. We're no longer thieves. We're no longer immoral. We're no longer broken. No longer guilty. We are the adopted children of God. We have been grafted into the vine. We're a part of God's family. And that is all that you need to know about yourself. I was that. But now I'm this. And Jesus in verse 10 begins to take on the issue of forgiveness. He says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Jesus turns to the paralyzed man. And he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up from his paralyzed state, walked out, and dropped the mic. Everyone is amazed and is praising God. But look what happens. Before Jesus ever changed his condition, He first changed his label. And listen, the Bible says that to those who believe on him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's the label that God wants you to walk out of here with. You see, the problem is some of us have been defined um, anew by our identity of Christ, but we can't fully get rid of that old label. Anybody ever done that? You, you bought new clothes and you thought you had all the labels off? One day I was walking around. I had the size of my pants going down the back of my leg. Somebody walked up and peeled it off. You're still willing, wearing that label. <laughs> thought I got it, but I didn't get it. That's us sometimes. We meet Jesus and he calls us his child. But we're still wearing that old label. Because we walk around town and said, that was a boy that used to lie all the time. Remember her? She used to run around with just about every guy that would come in. Remember them? That, that was the party in That was the drunk. Sometimes we still wear those things. Even after we've met Jesus. Remember him? He was an angry man. One so full of hate. For the paralytic, the story is over. He gets up. He has his healing. And he walks away. But listen to this. I guarantee you, everywhere that he went, everywhere that he went, people would say, you know who that is? They'd whisper, he used to be paralyzed. That's the paralytic. He lost the condition, but he didn't lose the label. And he could have been frustrated by it. He could have been upset by it. And sometimes we run from those things. But hear me tonight at the end of this service. I feel the Holy Ghost. Everywhere he goes, he was the paralyzed guy. He wasn't the only one to experience this. Rahab in Joshua 2. She's called a Gentile, a woman, prostitute. And in fact, eight times she's mentioned in the Bible. Six of those times she's called a prostitute. Now listen. Through her faith, God preserved uh, and gave Jericho to Israel. Through her faith, her family was preserved. And she became a part of the lineage of Jesus. They don't call her Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. That's not what they call her. Even God, six times in the scripture, Rahab, what is she? She's the prostitute. Mary Magdalene is mentioned, the woman who had many demons and was delivered of devils. Still wearing that label. 
How do we overcome the lies of labels? Listen, it's not that our past is too big to be forgiven. But it's that our identity in God is too big for anyone to deny. And when God has really delivered you from that old life, you get to wear the label of the redeemed one, the child of God. You get to wear the label that says, this is what I used to be. We don't know the paralytic's name. I've said that a million times, but you know the name of the one who delivered him. His name wasn't given, but his purpose was crystal clear to point people to Jesus, to say that if you have a label that you've been living with, you can find freedom too. And what the devil meant for evil, God uses for good. Because everywhere he goes, he, he's that guy who used to be the paralytic. You know what God, what they're really saying is, you know what God did for him? The devil tried to make him a paralytic, but God gave him legs to walk. We overcome the lies of labels, not by running from what we used to be, but by embracing the story of our deliverance. The devil tried to use drugs to destroy you, tried to use sin to leave a stain on your life, tried to use all those things to forever write you off. But listen to me tonight, that what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. And God can use your past to change somebody's future. That's how you overcome the lies of labels. The labels say, this is all you'll ever be. But God says, no, 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 no. That's what you used to be. I want us to stand together. Can we just bow our heads and pray? I want our ushers to come while we're praying. Lord, I pray for hearts and minds. God, that have been living under the weight of words that they cannot bear in their spirit, God. God, you know what we need on the inside and the deepest inner part where nobody can see. You know it, God. You know it, God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would lift off the heavy labels. God, that you would lift off the heavy burdens. God, that you would help somebody to be empowered in their testimony. To share where God has brought them from with somebody in their life. Lord, use our past to help somebody else's future in the name of Jesus. God, we pray it and we believe it. Amen. Can you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you believe it and are thankful for what he's done? And God has done some incredible things for his people. Come on, if you're in here and you've been delivered, would you just raise your hand and thank God for your testimony? Come on, would you just praise God for a moment for your testimony? I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. But I've been set free and I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. I am redeemed. I am restored. I am new in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost.